are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So the video that you just saw, the young man who was lighting the candle, his name is Alex Da Silva. He moved here from Brazil to become a student at Southern Nazarene University, and he's been a part of our church for the last four years. And so on Christmas Eve, you will hear Alex's story along with three other stories. Um, I hope you can be here, and I hope you can bring friends with you, and maybe even bring friends with you who normally don't attend church. I think it will be an awesome evening every time we join for Christmas Eve services this year. Thursday night at 7 o'clock, and then this coming Friday night at 3 and at 5. Last Sunday of Advent, we've been talking about hope, and we've been talking about peace, and we've been talking about joy, and today we're talking about love. i got to believe there's somebody looking at me saying, Rick, I need a little hope in my life today. Or I just need a little peace of mind. Or I need some joy. Or I just look around this world and there is so much hate and so much dissension. We need a little love in this world. So here's the good news. The kingdom of God has come. And all these are possibilities. So when I talk about the fact that we're not all together and how awkward that is, I know that this is just a season and one day we're going to be together again. I'm full of hope for that. But I also realize that we live in this season of the kingdom of God has come already, but not yet fully realized. All of these things are fulfilled in Jesus. So today we're going to light a fourth candle and we're going to talk about love, okay? I would love to give you a Mother Teresa quote. You may say you quote Mother Teresa a lot, and my response to that would be, you are right. Yes, I do. That is a true story. I'm going to quote her again today. You ready? She says, the greatest disease in the West, she writes a lot and talked a lot about the Western world. She was always very aware of the affluence that we have, of the overwhelming amount of wealth in our country. She said, the greatest disease in the West today, meaning where you and I are, is not TB or leprosy. We don't deal with those diseases. It's being unwanted. It is being unloved. And it's being uncared for. She writes, we can cure physical diseases with medicine. But the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to let this last sentence linger with us, and we're going to walk out the door with it this morning, okay? There are many people in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for a little bit of love. There are many people in this world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more people in this world who are dying for a little love. Do you know what this weary world really needs? Love. I want you to imagine with me something, okay? Just let your mind run wild just for a minute, okay? Can you imagine with a clap of a hand that all of the hate in this world would instantly be replaced by love? What kind of a world would that be? If somehow in that moment, All of the hate in this world could be replaced by love. Would that not be the world you would want to live in? 
And here's the hope that we have is that one day that's the world we're going to live in. It's a world called heaven, right? So here's some really good news for a weary world longing for love. And that is three simple words. And I find them in the scripture. These are not my ideas, okay? This comes right from the Bible. These three words come right from the Bible, okay? And here are the three words. God is love. It doesn't say that God loves, although other times in the Bible it does say God loves, like for God so loved the world. No, here it says God is love. So if God is love, does that mean when I love you, does that mean that I am sharing God with you? If God is love, right, and I love you, does that mean in that moment that I'm sharing God with you? Think about this. If God is love, that means that God cannot not love, right? If God is love, if that's what God is, if God is love, then that means, according to Brennan Manning, that God cannot not love. That is not a possibility for God. God is love, and so He can never not not love. God loves, and when I love you, and when you love me, we are sharing God with each other. I know, it's good stuff. Get your head wrapped around it because we're going for a ride. Okay, open your Bible with me. John, 1 John rather, the first epistle of John chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading with verse 7. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Let me, let me give you a little bit of context. This will be helpful, okay? John, the guy who is the disciple that Jesus loved so much, the guy who writes the gospel of John, uh, John is now an old man. Do we have any old men in the room? Just raise your hand. We've got one right there. John's an old man, and, and, and he, he is now overseeing uh, a group of house churches that are around the city of Ephesus. So just take a look around right now. Look at what you're doing. Just look in the room, okay? Just see what's happening. This was not happening in the early church, all right? They didn't go to big buildings and sit in rows. No, that wasn't the case. They went to houses and they sat in circles, all right? So there's many house churches, and John is overseeing a number of these house churches. Now, there's a problem, and the problem is that there's a group of people who has broken off from those house churches because they've decided that they no longer believe that Jesus is the Messiah, God come in the flesh, in other words, they don't believe in Christmas. They've decided they do not believe that. And so you can imagine the disruption that it's caused in the community of faith. And so John writes saying, you've got to stay firm in your beliefs. And so he takes the letter that he writes them, and it has two parts. The first half of the letter, he basically says, God is light. So you should walk in the light. And the people who do not believe this, they're walking in darkness. The second half of the letter, he says, God is not light, but God is love. And you should love one another. And that's how we get to chapter 4, verse 7. Here we go. You ready? Dear friends, I, just, I, I love all of these words, and you're going to tell how much I love them as I read through them. They're just awesome words. I mean, I think we could stop at this comma and it's just, 
It's just the answer to the world's weariness, okay? Dear friends, let us love one another. Man, if we just loved one another, how would it change the world? There's a bit of tension with scholars saying, is he only referring to believers? But we know when Jesus said, love your neighbor, he meant all people. So the the message of the New Testament is just simply love others. These principles we can apply to everybody. Let us love one another because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because, read the next three words with me, God is love. And therefore, God cannot not love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. The greatest demonstration of God's love was Christmas, which we're going to celebrate in six days. The greatest demonstration of God's love is God showed his love among us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have life through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. So, nobody's actually physically seeing God with their eyes, he says. But when we love each other, they see God. That's what he means. When I love you, people see God. So let me just give you a quick summary, okay? Just three points today that we're going to focus on. One is God is love. That's the foundation for everything. God is love. The second point, he showed his love by sending his son. And since he did, we ought to love one another. So this afternoon, you're going to be somewhere, and somebody's going to say, what would you do today? And you're going to say, oh, we went to church. And you're going to say, okay, what did they talk about? And here's what you're going to say. You're going to say, they said, God is love, and he expressed his love by sending his son, so we should love others. All right? Is that what you're going to say when somebody asks you? You are? Okay, good. God is love. He expressed his love by sending his son. Therefore, we should love others. So if I ask you, what do you love? You would probably say, what do you mean? (laughs) And I would get it. Because love is a complex word. If I just ask you, what do you love? I, I would understand if you said, well, what do you mean? Because love is such a complex word. So I I might say to you, I love golf, and I do. I watched golf yesterday. Did anybody else watch Charlie Woods? Have a few. I love golf. But I would also say to you that I love Lewis McLean. Right? Anybody else love Lewis McLean? Yeah, lots of shout-outs and love for Lewis. But I'll also say to you that I love crispy bacon. Just love crispy bacon. Yeah. That's, that's the most response I've had from you in 10 years. Yeah, yeah, crispy bacon. But I also love ice cream. I love ice cream. You know what else I love? I love my mama. Oh, I love my mama so much. She is the best mother in all the world. She's awesome. 
but I also love Annette, and I also love God, but I don't love all of those the same way. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, I love golf, but I don't love golf like I love Lewis McLean. That's very different, right? And, and I love Lewis McLean, but I don't love Lewis like I love bacon. That's weird. And I love bacon, but I don't love it like I love ice cream because I don't love anything like I love ice cream. Ice cream is on the top for me. And although I love ice cream, I don't love ice cream like I love my mother. That's not right. But I don't love my mother like I love Annette. That would be weird. But nor do I love Annette like I love God. That's different also. And therefore, that's why we kind of struggle sometimes to say, you know, I love you to somebody. What do you mean you love me? What? So we have one of our pastors here on the staff. Now, like, I'll, I'll see Lewis, or I'll talk to him on the phone, and I'll, I'll say, okay, Lou, I'll, I'll let you go, buddy. And he'll say, okay, and I'll say, I love you, Lou, and he'll say, I love you, and he hangs up. And that just comes really natural for me. That just, I, I say that to people all the time, you know. Um, or, or maybe he's walking away, and I'll say, okay, thanks, Lou, I love you, buddy, and he'll say, I love you. But if I say to Jake Garrett, I love you, do you know what Jake says to me? Thank you not making that up. Okay, Jake, take care. I love you, buddy. He goes, thanks. It's just awkward because love is a complex word. When you say you love me, what do you mean by you love me? You know what I'm saying? However, you probably already know this. Many of you do, especially if you've hung around the church some. If you don't, you're going to love this because in the ancient Greek language, the, 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 the language that the New Testament was written in, the, the common language that was spoken when Jesus was born is, is ancient Greek. And they have four words for love where we only have one word. And so phileo is like, you know, a brotherly love. I would talk about loving you as a brother. Uh, storge would be like family love, how I would describe my love for my family. Uh, eros would be a romantic love, like I would describe my love for my beloved Annette, right? And then, and then you have agape. And agape is this word where that um, it's, the, it's, it's the love that we should love everybody with. It's, it's, it's an act of the will. I love to say this. It is conditionless, without conditions. It's just love. And this is what we see so often in the passage I just quoted you and in the New Testament. Let me give you some uses. I think this will be helpful to you. It, it describes God's attitude toward the human race. So you remember the Best recognizable Bible verse in the world is John 3.16, right? And John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. The, the word here is agapao, okay? It's a form of agape. It's the verb form of the noun. And, and, and God loved. So it's this God loved the human race. God so loved the human race that he, he did this incredible act of love, okay, by giving his son. Or, or it's how God wants us to care for each other. Like John 13, where it says, agapao, one another. You should love one another. Conditionless. An act of the will. Or it expresses the, the nature of God. When I said to you a while ago, God is love, the, the Greek word is God is agape. God is love. However, when we read First John chapter 4, we get this word agape just jumping out of us in all caps. And, and here it is, okay? Let me give it to you. 
This is how God showed his agape among us. This without condition kind of love. This act of the will. He sent, it's Christmas is what it is. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might have this zoe, life, this abundant life through him. It's without conditions, and I see it sometimes. There's one family that I watch it in, and it gets my attention. It's a little senior adult couple. And they're probably getting too old to do this, but they still do. Every Saturday morning they get up, and they get in their car. And they drive a few hundred miles across their state. To visit their son who is in prison for committing horrific crimes. And they sit with him and they talk with him, and before they leave, they put money on his account. And they are saying to him, No matter what you have done, we still love you. It's agape. It's love without conditions. It's not based on whether you've been good or bad or whether you love me back or didn't love me back. It's not based on whether you're easy to love or hard to love because some people are hard to love. It's, it's agape. It's Love without conditions. You see? Yeah. So he loved us. And the greatest demonstration of his love, God is love, and he shows us his love. The greatest demonstration is sending his son to atone for our sins. So I'm here. God has always been there. But there's something between me and God. I... Me and God, it's not okay. I can tell you, it's not okay. And the reason there's something that makes it not okay is because my sin is between me and God. I've sinned, I've offended God. And so what are we going to do? And, and, and God says, you know what I'll do? I'll send you my son. Merry Christmas, everybody. And he will atone for, cover over is the literal meaning of atone. Cover over your sins. Remove that which separates you from God. Now you and God can be good again. The greatest demonstration of love. So, here we are. Um, God is love. He demonstrated his love by sending his son. And now he says, you should love each other like that. So you might say, I, I kind of need an example. I'm a little slow catching on. Can you give me a picture? Can you show me what that looks like? And if you go back uh, to chapter 3, which John just repeats these ideas over and over again, here's what you get. Yeah, I'll give you a picture. This is, this is how you know what love is. Is that what you're asking? Okay, let me show you, he says. This is how you know. This is what I'm talking about, okay? Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. 
There you go. That's what I'm talking about. Love gives grace. That's the first thing I want to say to you about love, okay? I'm going to say three things. The first is love gives grace. I do not deserve Jesus dying for me. I did nothing to earn that kind of act of love. It is all grace. It is all love. It is all kindness. It is all goodness. I don't deserve this. This is grace. Are you with me? Love gives grace. A husband and wife kept having this ongoing conversation about her leaving the keys in the ignition of the car. Her argument was, you always know where the keys are. His argument was, somebody's going to steal our car. And so she says, I will never forget the day that I came out of a meeting that I've been in for several hours and go out into the parking lot, and sure enough, my car is gone. And I thought, he was right, and I have to admit that, you know. Calls the police, reports the car stolen, goes through all that process, finally says, I'm going to have to make the worst phone call of my life, the most difficult phone call I will ever make in my life. It's about to happen right now. And so she picks up her phone, and she calls her husband, and she says, Go ahead and say it. You were right. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I've let it happen. I realize this is all me, but... I left my meeting, I walked out into the parking lot, and you were right, somebody has stolen our car. And he said, are you kidding me? And she said, no. And he said, I dropped you off. <laughs> yeah. To which she said, well, then come and get me. <laughs> to which he said, I will, as soon as I convince this officer that I did not steal your car. Yeah. So we need grace because we do stupid things. Annette can tell you, I do such stupid things. I hate that about myself, but there are so many times in my life when I just look at Annette and I say, will you forgive me? I'm, I'm crazy. I'm sorry. So when I think about this verse in John chapter, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, he lays down his life for us. Love gives grace. Do, do you ever feel like that, my goodness, can't you just give me a little grace? I'm, I'm not a great driver, and I, I get a little distracted, and I make mistakes. And people just, you know, I mean, they just honk their horns at me, and they make all kinds of gestures toward me. And I'm just like, it was a mistake. Can you give me a little grace? Don't you find yourself just needing a little grace in life? I need an example. What's it look like? It's just giving grace. Here's a second thing that I want to say, okay? Love sees the other person. I brought a picture because I thought it would be kind of cool to show it to you. I, I heard this about sea otters. You, you ever like study or you, uh, you know, spend time reading about sea otters? Me neither. Never have. However, I heard about it and then I got interested and I started reading about sea otters. And here's the picture. I like the ah, uh, that was nice. I don't know how well you can tell what they're doing. They're actually holding hands. This is a hand holding a hand. Did you know that sea otters often sleep in the water on their backs? 
Now, if you were to Google on your phone after the service is over, sea otters, you would find pictures of just groups of them. But when, I, when there were groups, it's harder to see what they're doing, okay? So that's why I just got two. But when they, when they sleep on their backs in the water, they hold hands. Do you know why? Of course. To keep one from drifting away and being lost. Let, let, let me give you a verse of Scripture. The next verse, verse 17, okay? If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? It's not love. Because love sees the brother and the sister. So love gives grace, but love also sees the other person. I was coming to work one day uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and um, I'm pulling into the parking lot, and I get a notification on my phone that there's something wrong with the battery on my car, and that I should get it checked out before I'm stranded somewhere. And so I just pulled through the parking lot, and, uh, and I go down 39th Expressway, and there's a couple of places down here that works on cars, and I just go in and say, hey, I just got this notice on my phone that my battery may not be okay. Can you check it out? Sure. And I think to myself, it's too close to the office to say, somebody come and get me. I'll just walk up. And so I throw my backpack on my back and I'm walking up 39th Expressway. But it was a good ways down and it was colder than I realized it was once I started walking. And as I'm walking along, I'm thinking, not the best day to take a walk, especially with what I'm wearing. And all of a sudden, the car comes up, stops beside me, window rolls down, and it's my friend, Pastor Thaddeus, who works with us. And he says, Pastor, get in. I'll give you a ride. So I get in his car. We drive up to the church. Such a nice gesture. And a week later, I'm having breakfast with him and another pastor whose name is Andy. And I'm thanking Thaddeus for giving me a ride on that cold morning. Andy responds to that conversation by saying, Oh, yeah, I remember passing you. And I thought that was you walking up 39th Expressway. I said, why didn't you stop? He said, because I was in a hurry. I said, there's a story about you in the Bible. A priest, too busy doing priestly things to stop the guy laying beside the road. The good Samaritan Thaddeus has to stop and help him out. I said, by the way, what were you in a hurry doing? He said, the alarm was going off at my church and I was on the phone with the policeman telling me need to come and shut the alarm off. So I didn't think I had time to pick you up. So love not only gives grace and not only sees, but love, love acts. Dear children, let us not love, this is the next verse, with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So not only do I see you, but when you're beside the road, I stop and I pick you up. It's grace. See, when you think about Advent, that, that's where we're living. Because in Advent, God saw us. And God acted on our behalf by sending His Son. 
And God expressed His grace in our lives. I ran across something that I hadn't thought of in years, and I'll close with this, okay? But um, I think it's important that we spend just a couple more minutes here. I think it's one of those pictures that becomes um, a portrait in our minds that we look back on from time to time. And we see this sacrificial, this self-giving, this love that sees and this love that acts. I think it's this kind of love that we see in this story. The author writes, I was at an airport waiting to board a plane. I had my Bible on my lap and I was very intent on what I was doing. And I noticed a man also waiting. I tried to keep from staring, but he was such a strange sight. Humped over in a wheelchair, his skin, he was skin and bones, dressed in clothes that obviously fit when he was, you know, maybe 20 pounds heavier. The strangest part of him, though, was his hair. Stringy, gray hair hung well over his shoulders and down part of his back. I looked down at my Bible. Uh, Discomfort was burning my face. I tried to imagine what his story might have been. And there I sat, trying to concentrate on the Word of God, you know, in order to keep from being concerned about a thin slice of humanity who was served up in a wheelchair just a few seats down from me. I began to feel God working on my spirit, and I tried to resist. (laughs) I started arguing with God in my mind, oh no, God, please no. I looked up at the ceiling as if I could stare straight through it into heaven and said, don't make me get up and witness to this man in front of this crowd of people, please, Lord. And there I sat in that blue vinyl chair begging God, please don't make me witness to this man, not now. And in that moment, I felt God say to me, I don't want you to witness to him. I want you to brush his hair. My heart leapt into my throat. And my thoughts spun like a top. Do I witness to the man or brush his hair? That's a no-brainer. I looked straight back up at that ceiling and said, God, as I live and breathe, I want you to know that I am ready to witness to this man. (laughs) I'm on this, Lord. I'm your girl. What difference does it make if his hair is a mess if he's not ready for heaven? But God seemed to write this statement across the wall of my mind. I don't want you to witness to him. I want you to brush his hair. I finally got up. And I walked over, and I knelt down in front of the man and asked, Sir, may I have the pleasure of brushing your hair? He looked back at me and said, What did you say? May I have the pleasure of brushing your hair? To which he responded in volume 10, Little lady, if you expect me to hear you, you're going to have to talk louder than that. And at this point, I took a deep breath and blurted out, Sir, may I have the pleasure of brushing your hair? At which point, every eye in the place darted right at me. I was the only thing in the room looking more peculiar than that old man. Face red and forehead breaking out into sweat, I watched him look at me with absolute shock on his face and say, If you really want to. Are you kidding? I thought to myself, of course, I didn't want to, but God didn't seem interested in my own personal preference in that moment. And so God 
pressed on my heart until I could offer the rather utter the words, yes, sir, I would be pleased. But I have a problem. I don't have a hairbrush. I have one in my bag, he responded. And so I went around to the back of the wheelchair and I got on my hands and knees and unzipped his carry-on, hardly believing what I was doing. And I stood up and I started brushing the old man's hair. A miraculous thing happened to me. Everybody else in the room seemed to disappear. And there was no one alive for those moments except that old man and me. And so I brushed and I brushed and I brushed until every tangle was out of his hair. I know it sounds strange, but I've never felt that kind of love for another human soul in my entire life. The emotions were so strong and so pure that I knew it had to be God's. His hair was finally as soft and as smooth as an infant's. And I slipped the brush back into the bag and I went around the chair to face him and I got back down on my knees and I put my hands on his knees and said sir do you know my Jesus and he said yes I do and then he explained you see I haven't seen my wife in months I've had open heart surgery and she's been too ill to come and see me and I was just sitting here thinking to myself what a mess I must look like for her my hair is an awful sight And so she concludes by saying, I learned something about God that day. He knows if you're exhausted. He knows if you're hungry. He knows if you're hurting. He knows if you're sick. He knows if you feel rejected. He knows if you're drowning under a wave of temptation. And he knows if you just need your hair brushed. God didn't send me to that old man. God sent that old man to me. I think that's a pretty good picture of that love. Can you imagine if in that moment all of the hate in this world could be replaced with love? (laughs) That's the world I'm longing for. That's what makes Advent meaningful to me. A world where there's nothing but love. I've got to be looking into the eyes of people who say, I'm I'm tired of the hate, and I'm tired of the fighting, and I'm tired of the two sides, and I'm tired of the dissension, and I'm tired of all the stuff. I want to live in the world where there's love. And I want to be part of that world coming to the world I live in. And I know it's going to be in heaven fulfilled like that, but Jesus came saying, what if we had a little heaven on earth? And what if I used you to make it happen? To usher in love. And so today, we join together as a community of faith, and we light yet a fourth Advent candle. And this candle represents love. Would you like to stand with me? Father, 
A lot of us here, we all have our own story. Some are saying, let me share your love. Others are saying, I can't share what I haven't experienced. And so, Lord, would you give them the grace to fall into your open arms and experience and receive your love in this moment? And then let us leave here today and let us just share love, which means we're sharing God, sharing you with our world. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.